There are so many religions in the world. How are they similar and how are they different? We need to know. The culturally correct view is to blend them all together as equally relevant and legitimate. But is that true? Prior to becoming a follower of Jesus, your host, Mike Shreve, was an avid seeker of truth, exploring many paths to spirituality. One of his passions now is to help bridge the gap so that others can discover the true light, which gives light to everyone entering the world. Now, here's Mike Shreve revealing the true light. Recently, a friend of mine sent me a link to an online interview between a young man named David Snell, who is a Mormon, and Dallas Jenkins, who is an evangelical Christian and the genius behind the series called The Chosen. And I'm sure many of you have watched that. Incidentally, Dallas is the son of the well-known Christian writer Jerry Jenkins. For your information, if you haven't seen it, The Chosen is a television series about the life of Jesus that is very unique, and it's mushroomed in popularity globally in a very short period of time. It's also being produced and distributed by a Mormon company called VidAngel, and it's being filmed in a very elaborate Mormon-owned television set in Utah that is a recreation of Jerusalem. The interview that I'm referencing is a video that was made May 29th of 2020, a little over a year ago, and I will post that link in my notes on cpnshows.com. Concerning Dallas Jenkins, first I want to say that I have watched most of the Chosen series, and I think Dallas is veritably a genius at what he does. His goal was to show the human side of Jesus and the human side of the disciples in order to make them more relatable. And I believe he achieved that instead of the stoic kind of personalities that most films about the Gospels portray Jesus in and the disciples. My purpose on this podcast is not to critique the movie series The Chosen or to criticize Dallas, because I have a great amount of respect for him. Some of his shows have really moved my heart in a significant way. And I also believe that Dallas is a very sincere and passionate believer who loves the Lord deeply. I believe he loves people, and he loves the truth, and wants to do everything he can to promote the truth, especially among those that are outside the sphere of those that the church influences through its normal, ordinary approach. I wish I could have this conversation with Dallas instead of just doing a podcast about it. Maybe that opportunity will arise. But let me get back to the interview. Not knowing what to expect, I clicked on the link. And immediately I was very surprised to hear Dallas Jenkins say to his Mormon interview host, statements like the following five. And the first thing I'm going to do is actually quote what Dallas said, five specific statements, and then we'll address it. First, the first quote, he said, one of the three most fascinating and beautiful things about this project has been my growing brother and sisterhood with the people of the LDS community. And LDS means Latter-day Saints. 
So he refers to Mormon believers as brothers and sisters. The second quote, after he admitted that there are great doctrinal differences between evangelical Christianity and Mormonism, still he said, the stories of Jesus we do agree on and we love the same Jesus. Now that's going to be my primary emphasis, that statement, we love the same Jesus. I'm addressing that. The Mormon interview host himself commented, that's a very controversial statement. And then the third quote I'm going to share from Dallas is this. He said, I will sink or swim on that statement. It's controversial, and I don't mind getting criticized. So hopefully Dallas won't mind me sharing my point of view. And hopefully it's lovingly extended to him uh, as a brother in the Lord. Several times Dallas made that same statement, emphasizing, and this is the fourth quote, we love the same Jesus. I know that may be controversial, but I think it's true. And finally, the fifth quote, he said, I think that one of the cool things actually about the LDS community that evangelicals maybe miss out on, because you guys are such outside-of-the-box thinkers, and I think a lot of it is because you have been outsiders through most of your history, and you've had to come up with solutions for problems. Now, store those quotes in your mind, because I'm going to come back to each one of them. And first, I'll address the one that inspired the title of this podcast. First, though, a little history about Mormonism. Mormons teach that in 1820, God the Father and Jesus Christ in two bodily forms appeared to a young man named Joseph Smith. And they proposed that, I believe it was three years later in 1823, he was given golden plates by the angel Moroni. Actually, in the original writings, the angel was named Nephi, N-E-P-H-I, and it was changed to Moroni later on. But those plates had on them characters that were Egyptian in nature, and supposedly Joseph Smith translated those golden tablets, and it became the Book of Mormon. And this book contains a lot of information not found in the Bible, including the idea that Jesus preached in the Americas after his resurrection, that he descended over in this region after he ascended from the Mideast area where he was. But that's not the most intense departure from biblical scripture. What about the name Mormon? Most members of that group, that church group, do not mind being called Mormons, but a more formal way of referring to a person who belongs to that faith is a Latter-day Saint or a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints. The nickname Mormon was given to them because of their belief in the Book of Mormon, which is subtitled Another Testament of Jesus Christ. There are actually four books that are considered to be inspired in Mormonism. Number one, the Bible. Number two, the Book of Mormon. Number three, the Doctrine and Covenants. Number four, the Pearl of Great Price. However, 
the Bible is considered to be less reliable than the Book of Mormon. And if there's a disagreement between the two, then the Book of Mormon has the superior position in their thinking and is considered more correct, more perfect in its inspiration and translation. Let's go back to the first quote that Dallas spoke in this interview with David. The stories of Jesus we do agree on, and we love the same Jesus. Well, I absolutely agree that the stories of the life of Jesus are heart-changing. When you see him kneeling down next to the adulterous woman with a crowd seething with anger just a little distance away, ready to stone her, and Jesus says, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. Tremendous lessons about forgiveness and mercy are contained in that story that I'm sure Hindus and Buddhists would appreciate and Muslims would appreciate because Jesus is mentioned many times in the Quran. So the stories we do agree on, but then Dallas said, we love the same Jesus. Maybe Mormons and evangelical Christians or Christians as a whole agree on some of the stories of Jesus found in the Bible, but I absolutely unequivocally declare that definitely we do not love the same Jesus because we do not agree on the nature of Jesus, the identity of Jesus. You can talk about the stories surrounding his life if you're a New Ager. I did. When I was a teacher of yoga and meditation at universities in the Tampa, Florida area, and I ran a yoga ashram, I often referenced the teachings of Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount. That was something that spoke to all of our hearts about character development. But I was totally off about the nature and the identity of Jesus because I thought he was just an ascended master who reached that place of God consciousness that any of us could attain. And so it wasn't enough for me to experience true salvation, just believing on the stories. I had to get the character of Jesus and the identity of Jesus right. Now, let me talk about some of the doctrines in Mormonism. And incidentally, I conferred for probably a total of six to seven hours with two individuals that are former Mormons. One was a high priest in the state of Georgia before he became a Christian. And the other person was a translator in the Mormon church for many decades, translating all their literature into Finnish. And so they are very knowledgeable about the doctrinal base of Mormonism because I want to get this right. I wanted to make sure my opinions were correct, so I bounced all of my ideas off of them and drew a lot of information from them. But in Mormonism, our Heavenly Father was once a man who became God, who is married to, quote-unquote, our Heavenly Mother, and by her has numerous, what is called, spirit children. Next, the teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith are that God himself was once as we are and now is an exalted man and sits in yonder heavens. That's a quote from the teachings 
of Joseph Smith, that God himself was once as we are now and is an exalted man and sits in yonder heavens. That was taught in 1844. Here's the mind-blowing statement that Jesus was their first spirit child. So according to Mormon doctrine, Jesus had a beginning point, a creation point. He was a created being, and then he came to earth because, and, and this isn't so talked about in Mormonism now, but in the original documents you can find it, that our Heavenly Father had an actual relationship with Mary, who later on became one of his wives in the celestial world. And so Jesus was literally the Son of God. Hmm. The Heavenly Father, who instantly has male parts, had an actual physical union with Mary, and after Mary died, she became one of thousands of wives that he has in the celestial world. Next, so Jesus was not the eternal God, as we evangelicals believe. We believe that he was God who became a man, but Mormons believe he was a man who became God. There is a huge difference between those two points of view. And I don't despise Mormons. I believe there are many Mormons who love God, who want to know the truth and want to walk in the truth. In fact, and this this may surprise many of you, the first person to witness to me was a Mormon. It was an old friend from college who wrote me a letter. And in that letter, he said, Mike, you'll never know God until you accept Jesus as your Savior. He said, Jesus is the only way, and the Mormon church is the only true church. Well, thank God, God only quickened the part of that phrase or the part of that statement in his letter that was true. So he reached out to me, and that was my first introduction to the idea that maybe Jesus was more than what I thought he was in my New Age mindset back in 1970. But now, as a believer in the Bible, I believe Jesus is the eternal God, eternally a part of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and these three are one God. And Jesus always has been, always will be the image, not one of thousands, but the image of the invisible God, only one. The Bible says, in the beginning, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, this will blow your mind. If you're not familiar with the teachings of the Mormon church, Lucifer, according to their teaching, was also a spirit child and the younger brother of Jesus. And they strove together, according to one source, I read over who would come and be the Savior of the world. Mm. I can't believe Jesus and Lucifer are brothers. And by the way, and you need to hear it with this wording, our Heavenly Father had a Heavenly Father who had a Heavenly Father who had a Heavenly Father who had a Heavenly Father ad infinitum. It goes back into infinity because that's the way human beings progress to become a God and then they bring forth or spawn Another race that has the potential of becoming God is just a cycle that repeats itself over and over again. Men who become God father thousands of spirit children who then become gods, and they have a chain of gods that goes back eternally. 
However, Isaiah 43.10 refutes that idea absolutely. God said, you are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Now listen to the next part of Isaiah 43.10. He says, before me there was no God formed, nor shall there be after me. What are you going to accept? The Book of Mormon or the Bible? The Bible says no God was ever formed before our Heavenly Father who is eternal. He's the everlasting God and no God will ever be formed after him. That cancels out Mormon beliefs to a great degree. Mormons believe in three separate gods. They do not believe in the Trinity or I prefer to say the triune nature of the one God who is eternally existent in three persons. Personhood is indicated by mind, will, and emotions. And in the Bible, the Father is expressed as having mind, will, and emotions. The Son is expressed as having mind, will, and emotions. And the Holy Spirit has mind, will, and emotions, but they interact and they're completely one in nature. They are the one God. However, Mormonism believes in three separate gods, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And some say because of that, they are tritheistic. But really, they are polytheistic because they believe in a multiplicity of gods, more than the sand of the sea in number. Every man is a god in the making. Mormonism's founder, Joseph Smith, clearly rejected the idea of the triune nature of God, or what he would have referred to as the Trinity. And he wrote this, Many men say there is one God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost are only one God. I say, now these are Joseph Smith's words, I say this is a strange God. All are crammed into one God according to sectarianism. And sectarianism was a way he had of referring to all Christian denominations because none of them are right. They're all corrupted except for Mormonism. All are crammed into one God according to sectarianism. It would make the biggest God in all the world, Joseph Smith said. He would be a wonderfully big God. He would be a giant or a monster. Now, wait a second. Joseph Smith is calling the God you believe in if you're a born-again believer, and I believe in, if I'm a born-again believer, a monster, I cannot yoke myself with someone who has that mindset. I cannot fellowship with someone who has that mindset. I can lovingly reach out to them with the truth because I believe there's many, many sincere Mormons. I was a sincere New Ager, but sincerity is not a litmus test for veracity. There's a difference between sincerity and veracity. If you have veracity, you know the truth. Mormons believe that Jesus became a God. And this is a shocker. They also believe that Jesus was married while he was on the earth. Because in Isaiah 53, it said, he shall see his seed. And they take that literally, that he was married while he was on the earth. In fact, some of their books teach that the marriage feast in Cana was actually a marriage feast for Jesus. No wonder Mormon theologians themselves have admitted that the Jesus of Mormonism is not the same Jesus as the Jesus of historic traditional Christianity.
I'm going to quote two Mormon authorities who said that very thing. For example, a Latter-day Saint general authority, Bernard Brockbank, in April 1977, in the General Conference, said, It is true that many of the Christian churches worship a different Jesus Christ than is worshipped by the Mormons. That's from their point of view. And then the Latter-day Saint president, Gordon Hinckley, spoke in the summer of 1998, that's just a little over 20 years ago, June the 4th, in some meetings, he said, in bearing testimony of Jesus Christ, or this was written up about him and it's referenced in his quote, in bearing testimony of Jesus Christ, President Hinckley spoke of those outside the church who say that Latter-day Saints do not believe in the traditional Christ. And he responded, no, I don't. The traditional Christ of whom they speak is not the Christ of whom I speak. For the Christ of whom I speak has been revealed in this dispensation of the fullness of times, which is a reference to the revelation that supposedly came through Joseph Smith. He, together with his father, speaking of Jesus, Jesus, together with his father, appeared to the boy, Joseph Smith, in the year 1820. And when Joseph left the grove that day, he knew more of the nature of God than all the learned ministers of the gospel of all ages. So he pits himself against John Wesley. He pits himself against Augustine or any of those revered by many different Christian denominations. And I'm not going into the differences they had doctrinally among themselves. But he refutes anything they taught or believed with regard to the Gospels. That's a Mormon president who said that Christ they believe in, the Jesus they believe in, is different than the Jesus we believe in. So how can I say we love the same Jesus? In Mormonism, if the Bible disagrees with the Book of Mormon, the Bible is wrong. I need to reemphasize that. Some more Mormon beliefs you need to know about are these. On an official Mormon website, I read this, and I quote, Latter-day Saints see all people as children of God in a full and complete sense. They consider every person divine in origin because they're all spirit children of a union between our Heavenly Father and our Heavenly Mother. They consider every person divine in origin nature, and potential. Each has an eternal core and is a beloved spirit son or daughter of heavenly parents. Each possesses seeds of divinity, and they must choose whether to live in harmony or tension with that divinity. So they believe, and this is right out of the mouth of a former uh, former uh, believer in Latter-day Saint theology, that they believe the light of Christ is in everyone. I believed that as a New Ager back in 1970. I taught that the Christ nature was within every human being, and we could awaken that through meditation and yoga and various processes and come up to this level of God consciousness that we also called Christ consciousness, where we had a conscious realization that we are God. Sounds to me like Mormonism is New Age dressed up in biblical terminology and Mormon terminology. 
On the contrary, the Bible teaches that there are children of darkness and children of light. There are children of the devil and children of God. See? It's not the same. The Encyclopedia of Mormon Teaching says this. Uh, This is very important. This is right out of their encyclopedia. If it had not been for Joseph Smith and the Restoration, there would be no salvation. So that means there's no salvation outside of the Mormon church. And that salvation hinged on his testimony. When John 14, 6 quotes, Jesus is saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. And also, Acts chapter 4, verse 12, Peter preached that there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved other than the name of Jesus. If you never hear the name Joseph Smith, you can call on the name of Jesus and receive the gift of eternal life. It's taught in Mormonism that being born again is something that takes place during the baptismal ceremony that consecrates a person into that church. It's not the same concept that you have in evangelical Christianity. Ephesians 3.17 and John 1.12 would be treated completely differently. Because if you already have Christ in you, Ephesians 3.17 says Christ will dwell in your heart by faith. That means he's external and he becomes internal when you invite him. He said, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, that means you welcome him in. And you're born again. God sends forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. It's not already there. And John 1.12 says, as many as received him, to, to them he gave the right or the power to become the sons of God, even to those who believe in his name. Let me give you a few warnings in scripture, and then I'm going to close. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 4, Paul warns believers against any person who comes preaching another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted. Now, I have personal friends who were Mormons who have told me they never had a true salvation experience while they were practicing Mormons. They had to come out of that mindset, receive Jesus into their hearts and lives as Savior and Redeemer, even though they called him Savior and Redeemer and had a certain concept in Mormonism, that he provided the atonement. Of course, they believe that he actually paid the price for the atonement in Gethsemane when he bore the burden of the sin of the world and sweated blood as a result. So they have a different take on the cross altogether. You won't see a Mormon wearing a cross, by the way. But Paul said, if someone comes preaching another Jesus whom we have not preached or receives, uh, if you receive a different spirit that you have not received or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you need to get away from that. Galatians chapter 1 is even stronger in the terminology. Verses 6, 7, 8, and 9 says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. The Book of Mormon is a different gospel. I don't even think I would label it a gospel. I would label it a perversion of the truth. But Paul said, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. 
but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Let him be accursed. Even if it's an angel that preaches a different gospel, that curse would fall on Moroni or Nephi, the original name given to that visiting angel, because that was a different gospel. And I personally don't believe it was an angelic visitation. It was a demonic apparition. It was a demon taken on the form of an angel that deceived Joseph Smith. He said, as we have said before, so now I say again. So he emphasizes it. If anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. And a curse is the declaration of all the harm, injury, judgment, and destruction that necessarily follows sin against God. 2 Corinthians 11, 14 and 15, Paul writes, Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light, Moroni, Nephi. Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness whose end will be according to their works. When I was a yoga teacher in 1970, I lived a very separated life. I never watched television, never went to movies, never dated. I didn't indulge in entertainment of any kind. All I did from 3.30 in the morning to 5 o'clock at night was meditate and do yoga and read scriptures. Sometimes I read the Bible. Most of the time I read the Bhagavad Gita and the Vedas and the autobiography of a yogi and different books like that. It was a totally consecrated life. And my students, about 300 of them, thought I was a righteous person. But I was deceived, and I was deceiving them. Unknowingly, I thought I was helping them. And I'm sure there's many Mormons that feel they're helping other people. He said, also in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through 18, and this is my final scripture, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And I would say that a Mormon who may claim to be Christian somewhat is really an unbeliever because they do not believe in the biblical revelation of who Jesus is. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness and what accord has Christ with Belial or what part has a believer with an unbeliever. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. There is a significant distinction between those who have been truly born again, who are a part of the church. The church is not an organization. It's not an organization, whether it be titled the Catholic Church or Baptist, or Presbyterian, or Methodist, or United Pentecostal, or Church of the Latter-day Saints. An organization is not something that could be also stated as the church, as described in the Bible. The church is an organism. It's a spiritual body of believers made up of all who have truly been born again, who may be Catholic, Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal, Oneness, what have you. They're out of many different denominations, many different organizations, but you cannot say any organization 
is the true church. That's cultish. The organization that is the true church is actually an organism, the body of Christ. Therefore, God said, come out from among them and be separate and do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you and I will be a father to you, not a heavenly father that has a heavenly wife and has spirit children by her, but a heavenly father who is from everlasting to everlasting. The one God, omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent. Praise God. He says, come out, do not touch what is unclean. I will receive you and I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters. I urge you, if you're a Mormon, listen to this closely. Inspect the belief system. Contact me and I'll get you in touch with former Mormons who were leaders in the church that are now born again believers. And I want to reemphasize, I admire Dallas Jenkins. I think he has touched millions of lives with a renewed faith that Jesus was very special. He was the Son of God and the Savior of the world. Thank you for joining Mike Shreve today on Revealing the True Light. And thank you for opening your mind and your heart to the truth. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can explore the beliefs of many world religions more deeply by ordering Mike Shree's book titled In Search of the True Light. We also invite you to visit our website, thetruelight.net, and sign up to be part of our global internet family.